Today, I'm going to be sharing a message about something that we all might find a little bit challenging and maybe a little bit uncomfortable, and that is connecting with God through our weakness or allowing God to encounter you in your vulnerability. Um, so I know that even there's just those words, weakness and vulnerability, can kind of make us like, ugh. And even I was like fighting some lies as I was creating this message of like, oh, it's, it's a woman sharing. Women always share the sappy, emotional messages. The last message you shared was all sappy and emotional. This one's going to be sappy and emotional. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, wait a second. Those are lies. That's me wanting to, like, put up my guards and not, not be real. And God's like, no, like, this is a beautiful message. And you're, I'm, like, honored to allow you to share it. So I'm like, okay, yes, that's good. I'm going to run with that. Um. So I think it's expected that vulnerability and weakness would make us uncomfortable because nobody likes feeling exposed. Nobody likes feeling like, here I am, world, or God. Like, ah, you don't want to like to risk what people think of you. And, and I think that's a natural human response. But I do believe that when we expose ourselves, there's a special grace from God to come and cover us and heal those places. So... The reason why I'm going to talk to you all about this, which I had to text Daniel and be like, I got to share this. Don't let me back out because I know I would try to. Um, and since I'm talking about vulnerability, I'm going to start by being vulnerable myself and just saying that, honestly, the past couple months, I've been going through a pretty big dry season. And I know that on the outside, sometimes it might be like, oh, no, like Jayla's feeling God. Like she's a leader. She's a worship leader. Like just such a tight connection with God. But honestly, the past couple of months, I haven't felt super strong and connected with God. And sometimes when I came up here and I would lead in worship, I would feel like a hypocrite knowing, like, I'm trying to take you guys to a place that I feel like I haven't been recently. So I just want to get that out in the open, and maybe that will make you feel a little more comfortable being real with God yourself. So there's that. So... I felt like the past couple months I had been reading my Bible and praying and worshiping and doing everything I knew to do in order to, to feel and experience and grow closer to God. And it had gotten to the point where, um, well, let me not get too off track. I realized I was just super distracted. And because I wasn't feeling him, it was getting to the point where I was like, I kind of just want to quit and just go about normal life. And God, when you're ready, just whatever. And then finally, I forced myself to get alone, no distractions, no phone, no husband, no cat, no whatever, and just really, really connect with God. And I felt like he really honored that. And um, in that, during that time alone with him, I started worshiping him the way that I do, just in spontaneous song. And he gave me, he gave me this song that, the, I won't go into detail about the song, but the heart of it was really just like, God, I don't want to just use these things that I use to get to you. I don't want to just sing a song. I don't want to just make another melody. I don't want to just pray another prayer. Like, I actually want to connect with your heart. I want to see your face. And he actually encouraged me to, to hear that song from him to me. Like, Jayla, I don't just want a song. I don't just want another prayer. I want to see your heart. I want to see your face. And for those of you who don't know, the past couple of months, I kind of started a new job. 
So I'm going to school for social work in my new practicum. Long story short, I'm working with high schoolers, um, a lot of them who are at either committed juvenile acts of delinquency or whatever, or they're at risk for doing it. And I'm not going to lie, teenagers intimidate me. And there's been moments where I just felt like I like really suck at this. And I do not like feeling like I, su I suck at something. I like feeling competent. I like feeling like I can walk into the room and I know what I'm doing. I can own it. And this, the past few months have been a huge learning curve for me. And so I just told God. And that week, actually, I, my brain was just so all over the place. I had forgotten two appointments. Like, I just didn't even show up because I, I just forgot about it. And I was like, oh, I'm so dumb. Like, how could I do this? I suck at this. And so I told God. I was like, okay, you want to see my heart? Like, you want to see what's really going on inside of me? And I, like, I suck at this. I can't do this. <laughs> I really can't do this. And he was like, yeah, that's kind of the point. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's, and then he led me to the verse. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. So 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded by troubles on every side or face persecution because of my love for Christ, I'm made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Our weakness is a portal to God's power. And that just, like, blew my mind. Because... For me, I'm like, okay, how is my weakness a portal for God's power? Like, I feel like my weakness makes me look like a hypocrite, or my weakness makes God look bad, or any of those things. So I had to ask him to explain it to me a little bit more. So now, just to, just to clarify, I do understand that Paul was talking about, like, persecution that he was going through. But in modern times, I think that we can uh, we can receive that in a more modern, updated kind of way. And it can weakness and being vulnerable can look like a lot of different things. So as I began pressing in, um, to understand how God could possibly be shown off in my weakness, he revealed to me that running or hiding my weakness from him is actually a form of religion. It's pride and it's performance. And for so long, I really had been just wanting God to kind of crash in and, like, be like, oh, you're weak here. I'll, I'll just make you perfect. You can do it. Blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to kind of get around that learning curve. But God told me, I am not just here to empower your performance. And I was like, ooh, ouch. And I began to realize performance or religion is not just trying to do the best you can in order to get close to God. It's also running and hiding when you feel that weight of your weakness or failure. And what I was trying to do the past few months was I was actually trying to hide my weakness from God, and, but yet at the same time trying to access intimacy with him. I was holding back part of myself, 
trying to be close. And he's like, no, I want all of you. So much so that if you're not willing to give me all of you, I'm going to give you a little bit of space until you're ready. Or rather, I put space between us till I was ready. You cannot access intimacy without vulnerability. God had been trying to connect with me through my weakness, but because I was too embarrassed or shameful or prideful, I didn't let him to have I didn't allow him access in my heart in that way. And really the overarching theme of all of this, vulnerability versus shame, intimacy through vulnerability, is really just whether or not we believe we we obtain righteousness and connection with God through our own works or through faith. It's easy to confuse those two because we can really be doing all the right things on the outside and yet our hearts can be really far from him. And the thing about deception is that you don't know you're being deceived when you're in the middle of it, blind to it. One thing that I saw, too, in my studies was that um, in the Bible, um, it actually describes leaven, like it describes the Pharisees' religious, empty, nasty teaching. You know, you guys know who Pharisees are. It describes them as leaven. But it can also describe the kingdom of God as leaven. And that's a little bit confusing at first. But to me, the thing is, like, it both grows. And on the outside, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between what's religion and what's actually connection with God and righteousness. Because religion is an illusion of righteousness. On the outside, we can be doing all the right things. We can look great on the outside. But the thing that really makes us righteous and connected with God and makes a difference is how our hearts are connected with him. When we begin to partner with our own works, we're putting our faith in ourselves. This means that we have more faith in our ability to succeed or fail. It gives a destructive amount of power to our failure, which results in us minimizing the work of the cross. So let me explain that a little bit more. Because I think this is something that we all deal with. It's really important to understand. When we put our faith in ourselves religion, like the Pharisees, we're putting more faith in our works, meaning when I'm good, when I'm doing good, I can feel great, and I'm connected with God, I'm worthy of connection with God. But unfortunately, if you live by that, when you fail, you'll also have more faith in your ability to screw things up than God's ability to redeem it. So I hope that makes sense. When we have more faith in our ability to fail or sin, this is what leads to cycles of failure and sin and worst off, separation or hiding from God. Religion says you've got to be perfect to approach God. But faith says, like Jacob said, he's always here. He just wants to be with us. And through our communion with him, all, those, all that junk just kind of falls off. I like to think of it like this. If I have a broken arm or some illness and I need to go see a doctor in order to get help, I, religion says, no, I need to heal myself. I need to get things right. I got to heal my arm before I can see the doctor. Whereas God or the doctor is like, no, come to me and we'll get you fixed up. We have it so backwards so much of the time. It takes a lot of faith and a lot of courage to say, God, here I am, weaknesses, is, weaknesses and all, and allow him in to bring transformation. So let's go ahead and turn to 1 John um, I actually didn't write the verse, but I'll know it when I get there. First John. 
I think it's four. I'll just read the whole section. Honestly, guys, like when I started going deep and studying this, I realized all of the, you can see this all in the Bible. The whole, the entire Bible pretty much is trying to get us to die to our own works, die to ourselves, come alive in Christ, and trust in faith. Trust in faith, and then we can be perfected in love. But we'll just go ahead and we'll read like this big, huge chunk, and we'll just let the Bible preach. For, we'll read 1 John 4, 7. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shines within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his love to be the pleasing sacrifice, sacrificial offering to take away our sins. And then we'll just fast forward to 17. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. And we're actually going to go back um, to that second half and talk about it a little bit more. But I really just wanted to point out the part that says, Love never brings fear, for fear is related to punishment. But love's perfection drives out fear of punishment from our hearts. Actually, we will just go there. So, the more we are brave and vulnerable with God about our weakness, the more we give him access to our hearts to transform those places we feel weak in. And that results in him us giving him those places that he actually can empower with his love. Like I said, he can't empower our performance. He can't empower us trying to do things on our own, in our own strength. But if we admit that we are weak and we let him in vulnerably, that's something that he can empower with his love. And it's going to be a million times better than what we can do on our own in our strength. So I thought it was interesting that last week how Daniel pointed out how Jesus prayed in his weakness and was vulnerable with God. That's a really beautiful example. When Before Jesus was crucified, um, when he was in the garden, he prayed. And he said, God, if you can take this cup from me, like, please do it. But not my will, but your will be done. And in that moment, Jesus is actually exposing his vulnerability and his weakness. And then he goes on to be crucified where he's being vulnerable with us and for us. And I think it's important to note that when we are brave and we are vulnerable, that is, Jesus was perfect love. He's giving us an example of how we become perfect in love. But just like Jesus, the world's going to have a response to our vulnerability. And what is that response? 
Let's crucify him. And unknowingly, those who were crucifying him were also exposing what was in their hearts. And what was Jesus' response and what should our response to be to other people when they expose their vulnerability and their real with us? Father, forgive them. And that is how perfect love transforms us. Jesus exposed his weakness to God. God empowered that weakness and strengthened him. And then he did the most beautiful act of love the world has ever seen. And we can follow that same example by being real and honest with God, allowing him to come and transform us, and then being able to do some of the most beautiful acts of love on this earth. Every time we approach the Father in our weakness, exposing our vulnerabilities, he covers us, and we begin to engage in that process of becoming perfected in love, just like we just read up there. I believe that there are levels of breakthrough in the spirit that can only be accessed through our weakness. Weakness is a key that we all possess, yet so many of us don't want to use it because it is super uncomfortable. It can be embarrassing. Our pride gets in the way. Nobody likes, nobody likes that feeling. But I believe it's the most courageous thing you can do, and God sees it, and he honors that, and that's where we find the crazy, crazy levels of breakthrough. Weakness is a portal for God's power, and that is the paradox of heaven. A lot of us, we want to be the hero. We want to be, like we talked about, we're the Heidi Baker, the Bill Johnson, the Randy Clark, the whatever, 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 whoever you look up to. We all want to be like that, but so few of us are willing to die to ourselves. So few of us are willing to be humble and low and real. But we do see examples of how all these people that we look up to, we see the same people in the Bible. They went on this journey of being intimate and real with God. So let's look through. Um, first, I'm going to start by what does it look like to not be vulnerable and intimate with God in this way? A good example, I think probably the most obvious example, would be Cain and Abel. So I'll just go through the whole story just in case some of you guys don't know who, what it, that story is. So Cain and Abel were the first offspring of the earth, right, from Adam and Eve. Okay. And because they had sinned, God commanded them to give sacrifices in order to atone for their sins, in order to be in connection. And so Cain, he gave a sacrifice of his own works. He tilled the soil, and he gave God some, like, fruit and vegetables or something like that. But it was a byproduct of his own works. And God's like, I don't like that. Like, I can't honor that. Abel gave back to God what God gave him, a lamb, or the fat of a lamb, something like that. But God actually gave Cain an opportunity to make things right. I don't know if I, I don't really want to pull it up right now, but it was something along the lines of, Cain, like, I can't honor this sacrifice, and you know that. But if you just do what I ask of you, you know that I'll honor you just like I've honored everybody else who has given something that they can't produce themselves. But instead of submitting to God and letting God change his heart and soften his heart, it says that he gave himself over to his flesh. He gave himself over to his anger, and he ended up murdering his brother and being cursed. So God gave him an opportunity to be real and vulnerable, and he didn't take it. And that's what happens. If, we, if God gives us those opportunities and we don't take it, we're hardening part of our hearts to God. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to do that. Another example would be the Pharisees. And I think this is crazy because 
You know, Cain believed in God. He wasn't like some sinner off in the world just being reckless and careless. He believed in God. The Pharisees believed in God. They were believers. That was like, like, duh, but when you think about it, like, they believed in God. But they trusted, but they trusted more in their works. They trusted more in self-righteousness. Sorry, I'm like, what the heck do my notes mean? <laughs> oh, here was, here's what it is. The Pharisees also believed in God. I don't know if I'd say they were Christians, but they believed in God. So much so they did some crazy, some crazy works. Um, I think about in the scripture in the Bible that says, we did this, 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 this in your name. And God tells those people, but I never knew you. And I think about the Pharisees. Now, they're like, we've done this, 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 this in your name. And he's like, still, I didn't know you. And I wonder how many of us spend so much time trying to know about God or know God. But how much time do we allow him to know us? So what does it look like when we fail or we experience that weight of our weakness and we are real and vulnerable with God? God told me to go look at the story of Samson, which I actually, I guess I had never really read it before in my adult years, like aside from like children's little picture Bibles. So I went and read it. And um, the story of Samson is from birth, he was set apart for God. He had to take some Nazarite vow and follow all these special rules. Um, and then because of that, he had this like super, super crazy, insane human strength. And the Israelites used him as, like, such a way to get protection and to fight their army, enemy armies and all that good stuff. But Samson had a weakness, and he was deceived by a woman. And she was, it was all a setup trying to figure out what his strength was so that the enemies could attack and not get taken out. And sure enough, he ended up giving away his secret and letting her know, the secret to my strength is in my hair. And so they tied him up, they shaved his head, they did all kinds of really cruel things to him and gouged out his eyes. And in the middle of the enemy camp, they tied him up to two pillars. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm feeling weak like that, maybe not on the outside, but on the inside, I don't want to have anything to do with people. I don't really want to have much to do with God. I'm just kind of like, oh, this sucks. And, but Samson was stronger than that in his spirit, maybe not on the outside, and rather than wallowing in shame or being in whatever emotions he was feeling, rather than giving over to those, he was really strong. And he said, he prayed to God. He said, God, one more time, would you give me my strength back? And with that strength, I'm going to take out this entire enemy camp and I'll kill myself too while I'm at it. Well, not kill. He'll sacrifice his life in order to kill the whole enemy camp. And God honored that and the strength rushed back to him. He pulled down the pillars and he died alongside with the enemies. But in that one act, he took out more in that moment than he did in his entire life. And if we allow him, God will show off his power and transform us into love. Samson laid down his life for his friends. There's a good chance that he could have saved his people in just that act. And I think that if we're strong and courageous and we can get real and vulnerable with God and each other, 
then we'll be empowered by God to do some of the most courageous acts of love. So, again, we see this all throughout the Bible. We see Peter denying Jesus and embracing forgiveness. We see David almost always doing something dumb, repenting, and God honoring him over and over and over again. I mean, there's not even just one example with him. It's like a million. We see Moses committing murder, running away, kind of being a coward, and God still calling him and him returning his heart back to God. And Michael even pointed out to me that this book, inspired by God, God didn't try to keep it pretty and clean and free from flaws. He allowed every single one of those flaws to be exposed and the people that he used to transform the world and to spread his love. This whole book. This message is so powerful, this exchange of giving our weaknesses to God and him giving us his power and love in exchange, that Paul even had to clarify, does this mean that we just keep on sinning and keep on, like, showing our weakness to God and so that we can get more of his grace? No, we can't. But that's how powerful this message is. We've died to our old selves, and we've been resurrected by love with Jesus. But we are all on a journey of being perfected in love. And to me, that is what it means to die to yourself. I believe that a huge key that is being vulnerable and allowing, or I believe it's a huge key to be vulnerable and allow God to be strong in our weakness. And I kind of like think of it like this. I'm like a super visual person, so it's really hard for me to talk in like, in my mind, I can see it, but I don't know how to convey it. But this is, I'm going to try to give like a couple examples of how I see it. So another verse says, If we claim that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. But if we keep living in pure light that surrounds him, we experience unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. And I I just want to point out, I'm not even necessarily talking about sin. Like, sometimes I'm just talking about lies or, like, what I experienced, like, this feeling of, like, I'm not good at something and I don't want people to know. I don't even want God to know. It doesn't have to be this big, huge, crazy thing. So as far as light goes, I like to view it like this. This is my heart, God. You can shine your light inside of me. But if there's something that I'm ashamed of or there's something that I'm not really willing for you to see or others to see, it puts up almost like a block to where his light can't shine past that thing. So behind that thing is shadows. It's darkness. And in that place of darkness, stuff can multiply. It can get nasty. Lies can spread. And God wants that place. And another thing is, I just learned this. So as you guys know, we just got a cat. And her name is Iris. And we took her over to the Colson's house. And she hates other animals. But the other animals just so desperately wanted to be friends with her. And so the cats, the dogs, the goats were not, like, didn't, had no clue what was going on. But the cats and the dogs, they would roll over on their bellies and expose themselves to her because it was their way of saying, like, I'm not going to hurt you. And, in fact, I want to be your friend, and I want to be so connected. I'm willing to expose the most vulnerable part of me. No defenses, nothing to defend myself. You can have it all. <laughs> and she didn't fall for it. But, <laughs> but the cats, the dogs, all of them were like, I'm so willing to be connected. I'll expose myself. I trust you. Even if it hurts, I want to be friends with you. And 
I think that so often we're afraid to do that with God because, like we said, some of us are still viewing God as a punishing God, not a loving God. But when we look in his eyes and we see how kind and loving he is, we read the Bible and we see the beautiful acts of redemption that he's made, we don't have to be afraid to expose the most vulnerable parts of us. That's the parts that he wants. He wants that part. Then there's that part where the shadow is that you're like, if other people saw this, if God saw this, they might have the power to hurt me. God wants those places. Another way that I view it is the more that we give him access to those places, it's like I'm here fully dead to myself as somewhere along this timeline of my life. I'm in this process of dying to myself. And to me, dying to yourself is also the process of becoming perfected in love because we can be perfected in love just like Jesus was. And it's like every time I'm powerful and strong, I get to take another step forward and another step forward. And I say, God, I let you in this place. I let you in this place. But if there's a part of me that's still hiding, it's like trying to move forward with my other foot stuck back here. And it just doesn't work that way. So what are some practical ways to identify if you're still living by your own works or stuck in religion? I'm just going to read off a whole bunch that I've thought of. There's probably a zillion more. But just, I mean, you can just think in yourself, like, am I doing this? Um, you're afraid of making mistakes. Vulnerability makes you uncomfortable. Other people's vulnerability makes you uncomfortable. Restlessness, a constant need to go, 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 because a lot of times that's avoiding, trying to avoid something. And that's also an inability to rest. Regular feelings of guilt or condemnation, uh, competition, jealousy, gossip, conflict with authority figures, numbing, cycles of sin, avoiding deep connection with people. Because, you know, some people, that saying, like, oh, I don't get close to people because then that's when they're going to hurt me or whatever. As soon as you got to get close to people, you run away. That's kind of one of those things. Um, and an unhealthy desire for validation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are some practical ways that we can be vulnerable with God and each other in order to destroy religion and grow in love? Uh, one of the, I mean, uh, one of the obvious ways that's just like so in your face is confessing our sins. There's a reason that God set things up that way because when things are hidden, they multiply. But when they're exposed, they lose their power like that. It's good to confess to God and each other in order to fully kill shame's power. Forgiveness. It's important that when others are vulnerable, that we don't partner with the devil and scream, crucify them. But rather we forgive them and we show them love. We cover them the way that Christ covers us. We acknowledge lies. The devil really likes to plant lies in our heads. And oftentimes we're the ones who grow them. He just, and then we grow them. He doesn't even have to do anything. So a good way to do that is just get alone with God or be in connection with people. And those, you'll, those lies will come out. You'll see what they are. And get real with God. Give him those lies and see what the truth is. Be in relationship with others. Prayer and worship. Worship is a big one because even just we think about our arms stretched wide. You're exposing your heart fully to God. Like even just the, the physical response of worship. Being yourself, accepting compliments. For some of us, being fully ourselves and allowing people to see our strengths is actually being really vulnerable. It's not just 
being real and honest about like the places you feel weak in. Sometimes it's being real about the places you're strong in and owning it because God made you that way. He gave you those gifts for a reason, and to hide them is a form of false humility, which is pride. This is an interesting one that I didn't really think of, but tithes and offering are being generous. It's the it's the byproduct of, it's what you use to secure your life. Money, a lot of times, is what we use to survive and secure our lives. We feel secure when we have a certain amount of money or whatever. Some people do, some people don't. But when we give, we're actually saying, God, here's my life vulnerable to you. And I think that's pretty much all of them. I'm sure there's more, but those are the main ones that I think of right now. I think this message is really, really important for the body of Christ and especially for us because, like Daniel shared some pretty wild statistics last week of people leaving the church or people not staying, and I think people have a really good radar for fake. And I know, like, our generation, like, we we kind of run from the church in many ways because it's like, I don't care if you're screwed up. I don't care if you're doing awesome. But what I do care about is you being real to me, with me. I know that's how our generation is, at least. And our generation, I think, has run pretty far from the church. Because we don't want to be lied to. And we want to be, be able to be free and be ourselves. And we want to be that way with people who are going to love us no matter what. We're not fooled by religion. We're not fooled by the mask that so many Christians wear. And I'm just kind of wrap it up with this. I wonder how different things could be if we were fully ourselves and we gave God fully access to every part of us to be perfected in love. Just because we're in denial of sin doesn't mean it's not there. Just because darkness conceals doesn't mean it covers. Just because we hide from just because we hide, it does not mean God cannot see. Let's be brave. Let's come into the light, fully seen and known, and let's allow God to cover us. Let's get really good at covering each other. What if we learn to really love like God? What if our love restores and forgives? What would it look like to break off cycles of religion? What would it look for our whole church to be free from religion? What would it look like if we're actually perfected in love? That's something that would change the world. So let's go ahead and close our eyes. I want us I want us to have the opportunity to not just hear something, but to also act on it. Don't worry, I'm not about to ask you to share like your deepest, darkest secrets with anybody in this room. But I am asking you to be real and honest with yourself and with God. Maybe there's been some hiding. Maybe there's been some running. Maybe there's some lies that have been spreading without you even knowing it. Or maybe you've been too ashamed to be full of yourself because you want to look like a humble, nice little Christian. But I'm just going to give you a couple opportunity or a couple minutes right now. Just ask God, is there anything I'm withholding from you?
then if he shows something to you, I would like you to do a symbolic act of faith as br- like to bring it into light. Just go ahead and write it down or text it like on your messages in your or like a notebook on your phone or something just as a way to put it take it out from inside of you and out into the light. Metaphoric. And if you need to, you can repent. If you need, just confess or reject the lies, whatever you need to do, just to really get rid of that. And I want you to just kind of in your mind, let it be like you're kind of holding that thing in your hand. And imagine it's like Jesus is right in front of you, perfect love, perfect light. And we're going to put that thing into the light. And let's just see what his love does to it. If he shows you something beautiful, well, first of all, it has to be beautiful for it to be God. He's not going to do anything shameful or ugly. So if you did see something bad, we'll just throw that out. That's not God. But God's going to take that thing and turn it into something absolutely beautiful, something strong, something powerful, something you can be proud of. And I'm just going to pray. Jesus, here we are, our weaknesses and all, our strengths and all. All of us are right here before you. God, I thank you that you see every little detail and you love us. You know every little thing, you love us. You know our past, you know our present, you know our future, and you love us. We thank you for what you've done on the cross. And we give you our weakness to be a portal of your power. We want to be the full expression of your love. We want to be perfected in love. God, you ask us to die to yourselves, and we're dying to things that were never meant to be us in the first place, which makes it so not scary. We trust you, God. We trust you, and we love you. And God, I just thank you that this week we would have supernatural bravery and courage to be real with you. And God, I thank you for this love journey that we're all on. I thank you that you would give us grace to never get stuck in the past, never get stuck in lies. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are revealing things to us, and you're revealing them so that you can cover them. You're revealing them so you can turn them into love. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that I'm not who I was yesterday. Thank you that we never have to stay the same, but we're going from glory to glory. Jesus, I thank you that even now people we begin to have 
encounters with you that they didn't even know were possible. Visions, emotions of joy and peace, gratitude, love. God, I thank you that you are speaking to us in new ways as we give you the things that we've been afraid to give you. And I thank you that this week would be filled with experiencing your love like we've never experienced it before. And showing your love to others like we never knew that we could before. And I bless this group of people. God, I love these people. I'm so grateful for them. And in your name I pray, amen. I just encourage you guys this week, um, if you feel led with a safe person who you know loves you and will cover you, if you feel like you need to share something or be vulnerable with them, do it. And that's it. You're dismissed. But as always, if you want prayer, um, the couches are for prayer. Cool. See you guys.